0: Now it's time for a, a look back at the week that was.
1: Votes against the proposal, 734,300. Majority of votes in favour of the proposal, 467,307. <laughs> I had a conversation with him months ago where we discussed the strategy for the constituency he said his preference was to have one candidate and um, because that is what Fianna Fáil is generally looking to do across the city because the party vote is, is so low he told me that his preference also was that I would be that candidate because they felt that I would win a seat. The commitment we have made is uh, I think exciting for Erlingus. it's exciting for Ireland and uh, we're absolutely convinced that uh, this represents a, a new and exciting opportunity for Erlingus going forward. I believed in that system I misjudged the risk and it it resulted in the situation where we we found ourselves at the end of the day. All I can do is express my regret for that, That, that's as far as I can go with that.
2: Shocked, um, saddened, probably not surprised because anything in relation to FIFA wouldn't surprise you now. If it wasn't so serious, uh, it's like something out of a mafia movie.
0: And Alison O'Connor is a columnist with the Irish Examiner. She joins us in studio to talk about some of the issues you heard about there in that clip. Alison, you're writing today about the government cresting on a wave of gay love. In a way, it seems like a long time since last Friday when we all went to the the ballot boxes in the marriage referendum. But the resonance of the results the next day are still being felt.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, even as I hear you um, saying that back to me, the government cresting on a wave of gay love, who would ever have imagined? And imagine saying that to Thesiger Kenny. We'll say before he became Taoiseach or at the start of his of his term, I'm sure he would have laughed at you. But that's exactly what has happened. Now, there's been lots spoken in the last few days about um, the incredible turnout, the way young people got involved, people who traditionally wouldn't be involved in politics. And maybe how would you harness that, and you know, make sure that the momentum keeps going? Now, from what I can just from talking to people, most people in political circles haven't a clue, they haven't a bull's notion how you'd go about doing that but I do think that it has been really good politically for the government and I think that um, it's, you know, if you look back from the spring statement of a few weeks ago um, forward to today, we're heading into the summer break, the government is in a far better position now than they were Six months ago and certainly um, what happened last Saturday and the result has added to that and for once our politicians are finding themselves or the government on the right side of the argument and it's a fairly novel place for them for well, them sorry. to be in it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. <They're laughs> even
0: on plenty of issues around at the moment they would probably be seen by many people as not being on the right side of the argument do you think it's the, the results have been even better for them than they could have hoped for
1: Oh I think absolutely and I mean I think the the politicians have been quite generous in their acknowledgement Mm. that I suppose you could say that the, the they always knew that they were never going to win it on their own, um, but could never have imagined the how the, the Yes Equality group and others, um, you know, just ran such an amazing campaign. Mm. On their own, the politicians could have lost it, but there was just this synergy where politicians and these other groups ca- ca- came together. And I think it just... Um, it, for so long if you even go back to this time last year the government was in such bad odour you know there's nothing they could have done right whereas now there's a far more benign atmosphere there yeah. in terms of pushing the economic message. And if you even look um, in terms of Erlingus, for instance, I think that um, and the, the decision that was made this week, I think that that's pushing that message the government want to push where mm. they're saying we're the ones that eco- are economically competent and stick with us. And I think in fairness to them, six months ago or a bit longer when this, you know, when this first came to our attention, I would have imagined, and a number of people I spoke to, and including even people in Cabinet... Did not think the sale would go through, mm. and you would have thought that for political reasons, uh, in terms of self-interest and timing. the election <laughs> and the up- <laughs> exactly. timing, it wouldn't have happened. Well, and yet it is happening.
0: And away from the kind of economic and business interests, Labour obviously is raising the the spectre now of the Eighth Amendment and the uh, potential referendum to repeal that, which they say would be in their manifesto if they if they get into um, government yeah. the next time out. How likely do you think though what, that is, that will be? Is it that that will be taken on? Is the appetite there amongst the politicians obviously on the wave of public opinion from last weekend. Do you think it's really realistic that they will take it on?
1: I think there's never an appetite among politicians to take this on um, and I think that it's connected to other matters this week. I think it's also related to the matter that the the vast majority of RTDs um, and political leaders are male. Um, In fairness to Joan Burton she was asked this question over the weekend. She had already said it at a conference but I suppose it had all the more relevance now Sure. Um, that they would that they, they would repeal the 8th and I suppose a lot of people now even I was at um, uh, last week the Countess Markovich School and there was a session on um, that I was involved with on reproductive rights and there was a lot of talk in and around that about how uh, those campaigning for the repeal of the 8th might borrow some of the tactics used okay. um, by those involved in the same-sex equality um, referendum and that, how they might take some advice and how they might even bring in the notion of love to the mm. whole thing in terms of um, if you love Irish women and if you want to care for them, you'll, you know, hear something that you might consider. Yeah. But for me personally, I'd like to know if there's going into the next election um and we'll say for instance Joan Burton has come out and said Labour would, but what would Labour or any of the other parties what would they replace it with? I think okay. that's a really important that's question. That's
0: obviously a big question. Now, you mentioned there are a few issues relating to women and women's place in politics. Averill Power did a great job, got a lot of credit for her work in the campaign up to last Friday's referendum. Lo and behold, on Monday, she walked away from
1: Fianna Fáil. Yeah, I mean, she did a, a really you know amazing job we know from her and even from other issues relating to adoption of that Palestine she's a very committed politician mm. and you might have said that she was exactly what Fianna Fáil needed in terms of the lack of women uh, involved in the parliamentary party at that national level the, that phrase that's been bandied about all week the stale male and, and pale So do, and why, we, why
0: didn't they do more to keep
1: her do you think? Because I think they're a pack of bloody clueless Egypts. And I mean, it says an awful lot that the one issue that they have rallied around their leader, Mihal Martin, is this one. You know, usually um, they're on the other side of the fence to him. Now, it's not just Fianna Fáil. You know, it's the other political parties. If I, if I turn on my radio and I have news talk on, generally I'll be listening to a male voice, really? saving your own <laughs> presence. And an awful lot of women who are, you know, and it's, it, who are behind the scenes making male presenters look good. So we won't just pick on Fianna Fáil for this. However... They do now have just... They are in the position where they have one female left in their parliamentary party and that's Senator Mary White and it's pretty abysmal. Now, I will also say that I think that Averill might have left it a day or two. I think it did... It does look... That there's an added, was an added vindictiveness to it by doing it on that day, just after Finnafall had won the by-election and Bobby Aylward was coming into the dial. But apart from all of that, I can I can well understand why she did it, and I kind of wonder actually how she didn't do it before now.
0: Sure. And we'll be watching very closely the, the next chapter in Avril Power's political career. Now we're short on time today. I'm so sorry, Alison O'Connor, Irish Examiner columnist. Thank you very much for joining us on News Talk Lunchtime. This is Kira McDonough sitting in for Jonathan Healy today. Now at this time every week we do. Go to our man in the states, Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe to see what's making the headlines in the USA. Good afternoon, Kevin. How are you, Kara? I'm very good. Thanks very much for talking to us, as always, on a Friday afternoon. Now, we're hearing today that FIFA President Sepp Blatter is appealing for unity. That's part of his opening speech at the Congress that he gave in Zurich today. Of course, it comes on the back of an FBI investigation that obviously you've been hearing a lot of local reaction there. How's it been going down in the US?
2: Well, it's something that's been on the front pages of all the papers. It's leading, or if, or if not, the one or two top stories on the American broadcast for the last few days. In fact, Americans woke up today to the mellifluous tones of John Delaney saying that on the CBS Morning News that uh, Sepp Blatter must go. I've got to tell you that this is going over the heads of most Americans because the vast majority of Americans don't really care about soccer. It's way down the list of popular sports here in America. That said, it's, you know, there's the, huge investment in, um, in government and attention on this from the Justice Department. And uh, this is, a, I, I read the indictment, and it's really shocking, but it's, in some respects, it's telling, I think, particularly Europeans what they've believed all along, that FIFA is just an utterly corrupt organization where the only thing that talks is money.
0: Well, did it slightly, did it raise any more heads or even get into anyone else's heads when Vladimir Putin wrote in during the week, uh, Kevin? He was accusing the U.S. of meddling in world affairs. Did that get any more attention there?
2: Yeah, it did. It got it got attention, but I mean, it's typical of anything that, it, anything that, it, whenever Putin is in a bad position, he, he you know, he goes to its nationalist base and just say, this is the Americans trying to recreate the Cold War and now they're using soccer. So, I mean, it, Putin's playing to his base. Americans are rolling their eyes, but I think you know the the more interesting thing. I think from an American perspective, you can talk about the the power of the Justice Department of the United States being aligned against FIFA. That's one thing. But what are Visa and Coca Cola going to do? What are the corporate sure. sp- sponsors? Because again, everything about FIFA is, is 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 money. And if you if 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 you want to believe that there, there are governments and and agents and governments that can throw ten, fifteen million dollars here and there to get to get favoritism. That's one thing. But the amount of money that Visa and Coca-Cola and these other corporate sponsors throw at FIFA far outweighs that sort of like the walking around money that the corrupt officials pocket and have pocketed for
0: years. Um, And we've yet to see whether any more sponsors will follow Visa's lead in in making at least some kind of critical comment that they made yesterday. Um, And obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on the presidential election through the day here on News Talk. But let's just move on, Kevin, to the, the, the storms in some of the southern states. Really horrific stuff. 21 people have lost their lives, including this man's father, who. Will hear uh, this man says his, he suffered a heart attack while trying to assist other people.
1: My dad was a hero. He was he was helping a, he was helping himself get out of it trouble, and then he's also helping another lady get out of trouble. And it's the kind of person he he is.
0: Kevin, is the death toll from these horrific storms expected to rise? What are we hearing at the stage?
2: Oh yeah, there's Kara, There's at least ten missing, and, and to be honest, if you get into the rural parts of like Oklahoma and Texas, there you, you wouldn't even know who's missing at this point. Uh, it, it it is biblical. You, every day you think it's over, and then I, I just watched the the national news this morning. They they're saying it's going to rain through, throughout the weekend. And and they just showed pictures of Dallas completely underwater, parts of the city, and, what's, and what's, Houston got it early. It's just, it's unbelievable. What's it's the a, federal a,
0: government doing, and are, and are people happy with the response so far?
2: Well, it's interesting because Texas is, you know, home to the biggest base of people who always uh, complain about, you know, big government. They don't like big government. They don't want to pay for big government. Well, right now they're turning to big government because that's the only thing that's going to bail them out right now. So. You know, President Obama has promised to to rebuild anything down there. And uh, obviously FEMA, which is the the national agency that takes care of disasters, they've already moved in there in a big way, but they really need the water to receive before they can do anything. Okay.
0: Well, we'll be watching the the cleanup operation there. And obviously, as you say, the death toll could rise. So we'll be watching those numbers. Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe, thank you as always for speaking to News Talk Lunchtime of a Friday afternoon.